You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 504. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dwayne, to discuss the Fox series Fringe. And here in the States, we are on Indictment Watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are. It can't come soon enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really expecting much out of it, though. Yeah, I know. But uh, we are recording this on March 20th, which, had you still been coaching high school lacrosse, which last year you I were was. helping yeah, out. I was helping out last year. But not this year? Not this year. This year okay. I am a, a dad lacrosse watcher uh, fan for actually both daughters. Yep. Yep, they both they both made uh, varsity. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm a, so I'm, a I'm a dad watcher, and not right, a dad. So watcher, uh, it's like a dad, yeah, <laughs> yeah, watching. But yeah, like this is. I mean, actually, I was thinking about it, this is the first time since ever that I haven't been coaching since like 1993. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so, I mean, what I was going to point out by noting that today is March 20th, March 21st is typically the first day we can actually have a real game. Yes. And, right. Because you, know, you got most, the most, 20 practices or whatever, 15 right. or whatever and, the number is. Yep. And, uh, of course, tomorrow is supposed to be 61. So, oh, uh, nice. of course, none of your teams will probably have a game. So, uh, but, my daughters do, actually. They're oh, going to nice. get. Um, their rear ends royally kicked in by a very good uh, girls across team up the road oh. here. Actually, kind of your neck of the wood, Manchester Valley. Oh, okay. So yeah, they uh, their lacrosse team is 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 really really good. A uh, bunch of girls going D one on that team, and um, it's you know it's probably going to be ugly, but you know we'll see. I told them just to go out there and do their best. We want to welcome a new Patreon supporter to the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch hey, family. My, uh, my that, plea for more money for drugs uh, apparently is, is working. There you go. Alan Nixon, uh, thank you for your generosity. And Alan's already jumped into the discussions on Facebook, which is awesome. Take this time to thank Fred, of course, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike, who are also uh, supporters of the podcast through Patreon. So, Thank you, one and all. Yeah, merci beaucoup. Yep. Now, unfortunately, we got some sad news, and I think most of the yeah. listeners are already aware of it. Uh, you know, you posted it, I believe, in the Facebook group. No, I, I just you sent know, you. Several, a, uh, I should have put it in the Facebook oh, okay. group. I just saw it, so I sent it to you as a, a, a DM. Yeah. So Lance Reddick, the actor who we've come to know as Philip Broyles in Fringe, Cedric Daniels in The Wire, uh, I didn't realize he was in the John Wick franchise. Yep. Uh, have you seen the John Wick films? I haven't. And Dude, I, they and are I really so like, good, man. Yeah. I like Keanu Reeves a lot. Yeah. I guess it's just, that's just not my yeah, they are. I mean, they're super movie. violent, but it's they're just really, really good movies. I love the John Wick movies. I mean, if, if it was in the future, then I could deal with mm-hmm. the violence, you know, because but whatever but only 60 years old yeah, I, know. Uh, what the hell? I guess i didn't realize he was born in yeah Baltimore, he went Maryland. to french school yeah um later eastman school of music where he studied composition and apparently natural causes so just incredibly sad and and yeah i yeah i guess 
not not much else to say. No, you know, like this is, uh, you know, we're definitely dedicating this podcast to, to Lance and, uh, you know, for what it's worth. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm sure he didn't even know we existed. But, uh, I mean, really a, a guy who was uh, a hell of an actor. Um, and again, when someone dies, you know, everyone says how wonderful a person the person was, you know, and everything. But, uh, you know, just seems to be, have been well-liked in the industry and everything, so... You know, it's a it's a pisser. All right, well, let's get on to what we're watching. And I mentioned Daisy Jones and the Six on Prime. And what they did was they dropped three episodes the first week, three the second, two the third, and then the next two will be the season finale. And still really liking it. I mentioned last time it's probably based on Fleetwood Mac and and I forget what era of the band but uh, we're really enjoying it a lot um, I also mentioned a fantasy supernatural series on Netflix Samaran which is a, a Turkish series that's kind of centered around this mythological creature that's apparently half snake and half woman and uh, you know it's one of those that you know, I said to my wife, because I'll have it on and, and she's doing something else. And I'm like, you know, I like it, but it's I'm not really going to recommend it for you. There's so many other things that, that I would you recommend. You don't blurb it? I, you know, one thing I've realized, because I've seen several Turkish series now. Okay, I don't know how else to say this delicately, so I won't. I just have a massive crush on the lead actress in the show so i'm sure that's part of what got me through the (laughs) series but you know dude that's not enough so you know i'm enjoying it a lot i I was thinking like oh god wayne would hate the uh, season finale because there was so much explanation Uh. at the end but you know i'll check out season two if they have it and then I'm still working my way through season two of 3%, but it's kind of losing its steam with me. So I'll is probably it give it another couple. Is 2% then? It is down to 2%. And uh, pretty soon we're going to be in the skim area. Right. But anyway, uh, what do you got? Okay. Well, um, in other news of uh, pleasant surprises, I discovered that uh, Bad Batch did not actually end at episode eight. So I went back. Uh, I, I was just saw something online about the new episode of Bad Batch. And I'm like, wait, what? I thought it was done. You know, because season one was only eight episodes, I believe. I went back and saw that they've, while I have been thinking it was all over, they released three episodes. So uh, nice, yeah, right? That was that was good news. Uh, so that's cool, awesome as ever. Really great. I love, love, love the uh, you know the Disney Plus animated Star Wars shows, especially. You know, I like all of them. But, you know, as a fanboy, but the, the animated ones especially. Bad Batch is definitely up there. It's really good. Also finished uh, Hunters, which I know I last talked about that quite a few weeks ago. I had finished it a couple weeks ago, but with our, you know, missing the one week. Um, I talked about other things last week. So, And that show also, uh, really good kind of, you know, not just, you know, like at first, yeah. You, you get into it because you want to see Nazis getting hunted down and killed, but you stick with it for the moral ambiguity. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was just a really, really good show. Uneven, certainly, at points. But they had, 
like, I guess is the second to last episode, which I guess he didn't think was actually going to be the actual second to last episode. Um, but you know, in that episode, they basically told a, just a completely different story and pretty much stepped away from the, the, the story as we saw it. Um, and it was pretty cool. I, I, sometimes when a show does that, you know, it's, it's a risk, right? Because you're taking people out of the narrative, and especially when you only have, like, I think, what, maybe eight, ten episodes, whatever. And you pull people out of that narrative to just tell a, a story that is related to the, the story, but is completely different characters and everything. Um, like I said, it can be a bit of a risk, but it, it oftentimes it pays off. And this one, that was really, really, probably one of the best episodes of, of that particular show. The Banshees of Inisherin, I saw. Another trying to squeeze in a couple Oscar-nominated Oscar movies before the Oscars actually took place. Um, this is a movie with Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin Farrell that, uh, you know, I personally think Brendan Gleeson is one of the absolute best actors alive now. Um, everything he's in, I love. He's awesome in everything he's in. Uh, so this is something I'd wanted to watch for a while, but just had been... Other, had other stuff on my plate. Finally watched it. Uh, really good movie, but um, not for everyone. It's there's some you know like you think it's this quaint Irish tale of you know all the the you know kind of the foibles and you know, shortcomings of people and and they living on a remote island off the coast of Ireland and it gets pretty dark that you wouldn't expect it. and uh, the the tone of the movie definitely changes halfway through but it's a really good movie superb acting all around um yeah just a a great movie but uh you know and also probably something you'll need the uh the, the subtitles on for it to understand some of what they're saying um and last but not least i have almost probably tonight i'll finish season i think four i think it's season four maybe season three afalda um which is the story of a, a unit of Israeli Defense Force uh, anti-terrorist unit um, that they go undercover in Palestine and, and in this case they are going to other um, countries I believe they go to like Syria and Lebanon and everything so um, you know always kind of very 24-ish in, in its pace and tone and kind of also you know, one thing I, I'd thought about Falda from before, I, and I didn't go back and watch the previous seasons before watching this one, but I, I seem to remember that there was a lot of moral ambiguity there. Like, the, the good guys weren't just straight up the good guys, right? And in many cases, they uh, sympathized with um, the quote-unquote enemies. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Like I said, I didn't go back and watch, but I seem to remember that being part of it. But this current season, there's there's really none of that. There, there is a line here or there where you know we kind of get, oh yeah, well that's true, right? Like you know, like but but for the most part, it's you know like twenty four. You know, Jack Bauer is the good guy. The U.S. are the good guys, and everyone against him are the bad guys. And and generally, in Fauda, you know, the bad guys are are you know pretty pretty much any Muslim anywhere, which is. You know, disappointing uh, for sure of that because you know the the issues that they are dealing with uh, run deeper than just hunt down the baddies and everything like that. And uh, they don't really 
they haven't really taken much time to humanize or to, to give us insight into the, the people that they are working against, except for every now and then we'll see a scene like a guy with his wife and say, oh, he's got a wife. He's a human being. You know, it just it goes more than that. They haven't really put much into that. But overall, uh, like the action and everything is awesome. And the, the characters of the, the, uh, the, uh, of the unit, the people in the unit, and the, the toll that the life they, they, they lead and the job they have, the toll that it has on them and their personal lives, uh, that is, is really, uh, they do a really good job of, of showing that, so. Um, just a little bonus for you. Uh, there are three more episodes of Bad Batch. Yeah. Right. Oh, you knew that. I, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I did. You looked it up. Oh, yeah. Once I realized, I was like, wait, what? What's going on? And I saw like, <laughs> okay. how many. Things. So, yeah. So there's still, uh, still plenty of, of Bad Batch to go. And, you know, I've got the Mandalorian now too. And, uh, Star Trek Picard and everything. So it's got all kinds of stuff. I will say this. The Paramount Plus did get me. Um, I was watching Picard, and before it, they had like a trailer, quote unquote, for Strange New Worlds. So I'm like, what? They got new episodes of Strange New Worlds? Wild Picard new episodes are coming out? That's crazy. Why would they do that? And of course, it was just like a trailer just to, for, to watch season one of Strange New Worlds. So they okay. got me. Got my hopes up, and then just punched right, me. Well, I'm going to get you with Fringe now. Uh, season two, episode right. five, titled Dream Logic written by Josh Singer, and this is the first of a number of Fringe writing credits he's going to have, directed by (laughs) Paul Edwards, who wrote uh, or directed two episodes in season one, aired October 15th, 2009. I did look it up. The uh, first iPhone came out in 2007, so I'm not for certain that Olivia has an iPhone, but she clearly has a smartphone of some sort, so... uh, Anyway, um, cool, but probably not yeah. getting crushed yet. <laughs> uh, I guess we get some major verification that Peter is from the alternate universe. Uh, we'll talk more in depth about it later, but uh, we get well. Kind. What about the poster on the wall? Oh, I didn't oh. see the poster. Well, the poster on the wall. Since you you want you want to hold off on that or or talk about it now. Oh, okay. You, you brought it up. Well, you know, the, that Peter is having, you know, a, 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 well, we, we learn that, that adult Peter yeah. is having a bad dream right. about when he was a child yes. and he wakes in his room to find Walter standing there and then he starts screaming. Now, on the wall is a poster that says Challenger 11, June 28th, 1984. Well, dude, Challenger Mission 10 exploded right. in January of 1986. Right, right, right. So okay. then clearly Definitely. it did okay. not explode. There you go. You're right. Confirmation there. I did right. not so notice know that. This is, right. So then what's Peter's scream all about? Does he recognize that though this guy looks exactly like my dad, he's not no, my dad? Because it, it, like they cut it. But so he sees Walter. He's like, hey, dad, you know, what are you doing? And then. Um, and then it seems like he gets like pulled or something, you know, like, like, I don't think he screams for no reason. It seems like, I, I can't remember what, do, do we actually see him get like yanked away or something like that? But that's, no, we don't. Okay. I got the vibe that like, that's, I mean, just cause the music went whoop 
or something like that, you know, like. Right. And at first I thought he woke screaming from the dream, but that's not it at all. Right. So, um, and and then once he wakes as an adult and and talks to his father about the dream and we see Walter's very concerned, you know, because, you know, certainly, um, he's, you know, he's definitely uh, been hiding that from Peter. Right. As Fred mentions, you know, are we getting close to the point at which Walter confesses what he's actually done? Yeah, I so, can't remember when that actually happened. I haven't. I can't either. So right. I don't know. Right. But it seems that but, they're getting, I mean, that was a pretty big reveal, especially with the, the poster that I totally didn't notice. Right. So then does Peter, and this seems maybe a stretch, does adult Peter remember that poster in his room? Because he says he doesn't really, you know, he only remembers bits and pieces and the rest. You don't remember it? Walter asks, assuming he's, Walter is referring to the abduction. Right, right which Peter doesn't seem to remember at this point, because I, I think we have to believe that, well, if he did, he'd speak he up. He certainly would um, not be as calm as he is. Where he just kind of casually mentions, oh, I just had a dream. You were right. in it. You know, so to him, it's, it's not a memory, it's a dream. Right. So unless this is where it cuts off and this is where the next episode is going to begin, then we have to believe that, that Peter doesn't really remember any more than that, but obviously something to keep an eye on. Now, uh, this episode is, I guess, rightly so viewed as a monster of the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got that Jekyll and Hyde motif yeah. with Dr. Nyack, which is kind of cool. I, I know you don't like it. I can tell. No, it's not, I didn't like it. And honestly, it's tough to tell because, you know, halfway through, I'm like, Oh, this is a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And I, you know, I can't remember if I keyed on to, you know, is that just because I remembered the episode? Well, I didn't really remember anything else from the episode. So, like, so I think it's just like, you, it's, you didn't get too far into the episode before you realized, well, it's the doctor, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. I mean, he, he's, you know, the, the lady doth protest too much that, um, you know, he's he's a little bit too apologetic he's a little bit too uh in the corner of his employees well well, they all have the password why wouldn't they i trust them all you know yeah yeah um but the other thing and and i know you only saw the first two episodes of buffy uh, when we covered them you know way back when but the monsters are very buffy like monsters you know in terms of visually and i think anybody that's seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer would agree with that and in Buffy the monster metaphors typically signify dangers in life I mean in Buffy it's it's you know it's a uh, coming of age tale to to a large extent and the monsters you know represent you know all the different pitfalls that young people face growing up so you know I don't know if we want to go that deep here but you know, I, I I couldn't help but notice that. And then you mentioned, oh gosh, a few weeks back, maybe in a few months, that if we were still doing our really <laughs> segment, okay, Nyack doesn't have a list of all the study subjects. Right. 
they could only come up with 29 from memory? Really? Well, I mean, you know, like, I, dude, if, if, if Google Drive went down tomorrow, I would be screwed. Well, yeah, but, the, I mean, you might not be able to access it for a day or whatever, but, it, you know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, he, what? he stored he, he didn't actually write anything down on a piece of paper. He stored everything in the server online. When the server, you know, got fried or whatever happened to it, um, he lost yeah, everything. Yeah, but he said he had, had a backup. Yeah, and then that also was. Well, but that was later. I don't know. All right, anyway. Um, You're right. You think well, they would go straight to the backup. Like, oh, wait, someone took my phone. Oh, well, let me quickly, you know, Download the data for the backup, you know. Yeah. As someone is clearly targeting this data, you know. I mean, you never printed out the Excel spreadsheet with everybody's why, name why and contact. Dave, what, you, what is this? What is, okay. what is, well, it's 2009, you know. Uh, Come on. That's true. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the return of Olivia Dunham because the opening scene, and I'm with you, dude. Sam Weiss is an awesome He's character. He's the best, isn't and, he? And... And she has so chilled. Well, that's not the right word. She, she's she's become more chill in her relationship with him to the fact to to the point where she can crack a joke. But she, you know, she puts the bowling shoes down on the table, like uh, you know, I'm not going to need you anymore. Right. Thanks for your help. Um, and he's like, all right, who died? It's it's like he's got this uncanny ability. Right. To read people, I mean, you know, is it everybody or, you know, just certain people? But regardless, uh, he understands that that she's dealing with somebody's death. Yeah. Well, Nina sent her to Sam. So we know. Sure. We know he helped Nina out. So he's. Well, that's true. So I guess Nina could have told him in the interim that that her partner died and that. Yeah. Or just, you know, she sent Olivia to him because he's just really perceptive and really good with people and it has this almost mystical aura about him right right and then the second business card she asks for we we get that oh she's asking for a business card anybody that's got red in their clothing or yeah whatever. i didn't get the red and, though now i look back and sam did say i hope you don't have anything against the color red so right, right. and then you know we find out at the end we realize that at first i just like why is she asking for business and i'm like oh that's right sam gave her the assignment so at first i thought it's just everyone she met that she had to get a business card from but it was just people wearing red right and and she certainly came up with plausible reasons for asking for business cards like i didn't realize cab driver now granted i've never taken a cab but I wouldn't expect cab drivers to carry business cards, but whatever. Sure. But one of the emotional exchanges of this episode takes place when Peter brings food and coffee to Olivia. And, you know, he he can tell she's continuing to cope with Charlie's death. And then she abruptly just walks out to the clinic. And, you know, what I'm noticing is that, you know, she's starting to tear up. And while I don't think we see a tear going down her cheek, I think she's likely embarrassed that she appears weak to mm-hmm. Peter, even though we know he would not perceive it that way. 
in fact, I think he would see it as a sign of strength and friendship that that she felt able to you know to to you know exhibit those kinds of feelings and emotions in front of him. But you know, I mean, their their relationship is still, I guess, you could argue, early stages. We're not sure exactly how many months have transpired. I guess I would think around maybe six months or so. Sounds reasonable. The, the team's yeah. been to, yeah. been together, but. Uh, uh, and then the other thing, when Sam tells her what to do with all the business cards, and he says, you know, circle the letters and then jumble. She's like, what? I'm like, Olivia, you, you, okay. Now, granted, she was probably a crossword puzzle person, probably. Well, this you know. is more like a wordle, I think. Yeah, okay. But, you know, she's probably one of these people that did the New York Times crossword mm-hmm. puzzle in 10 minutes, that sort of thing. But. Uh, so he explains what jumble is and and then once she's back in boston after she puts the flowers on charlie's grave she's sitting in her car and she figures out the anagram and i didn't realize it on the first watch but those were charlie's words in their first meeting you're going to be fine oh, yeah you remember that she she tells uh peter I think it's Peter. Now I can't. Well, it had to either be Peter or, or Sam. Uh, I think it was Peter. How she first met Charlie when she was a rookie FBI agent. Oh, and how yeah, she'd yeah. been a lawyer and hadn't handled a firearm since basic training. And, and she's like, you know, looking for a, an exit and this and that. And he said, you're going to be fine. And then that's the phrase. I like the first was, one. It said, you're going to bean fee. <laughs> yeah. I, wasn't, I couldn't figure out why she crossed out. You're gonna, because clearly, you know, you were gonna keep that yeah, part. But yeah, the, the beefy you know, part is maybe probably not okay. But yeah, but yeah, that was, and you see like her emotional reaction to that. So it's like, um, you know, I mean, first of all, like Sam, just to be able to say the whole crazy, you know, labyrinthine aspect of this task to, you know, find people wearing red, get a card from them. I can't remember how the there's some kind of order to what she would circle on each card, jumble them up, and then it will reveal the, the message from you. It, it turns out to not be each your oval team, uh, yeah. but uh, that that's just exactly what she needed to hear. Right, and I think he just simply says one letter in each name, and obviously each card has you know first and last name. And I guess we would argue her subconscious knew what phrase she needed to hear and, sure. you know, gives it to her out of order. But, but uh, you know, out of chaos comes order. Now, I don't think for a second we feel she's completely over Charlie's death. But, you know, first, first steps. So. Mm-hmm. Now, the main story, dreams become nightmares and, you know, as we said, kind of a monster of the week. And, and, and certainly that's a fair point, especially with the, the opening sequence of this storyline when the dude walks into the office building and it's like, oh, dude, you're late. You're going to get in trouble. And then he sees everybody as some sort of a monster and kills the guy with his briefcase, which, yeah. okay. it's harsh. Um, and you know i i mentioned this again a few weeks back certain of these storylines for me i think ooh this kind of has zft overtones but 
But then, you, you know, once we see that this doctor doesn't necessarily seem to have any connection to ZFT or, you know, maybe ZFT is just so insidious that, you know, they've got their hands in, you know, scientific studies that, that the people don't even realize, you know, who's funding. I mean, you know, you're, right. you're, right. exactly. you're talking well, about this guy create this chip and things like, that, right. you know, just like the mole boy or whatever from a couple weeks ago um same thing that these are definitely isolated monster of the week type things but as you said we certainly get a feel that zft could totally have some kind of hand in this somehow right especially when walter and peter throw around the whole mind control aspect of this and while I think they finally discount that. I'm not exactly sure why they discount it because to a large extent, it is mind control that, that, that the doctor is controlling them wirelessly from, from afar, which, okay. on, On the one hand, that's pretty cool and pretty terrifying at the same time, which is something now that I say it, I, seem to say it about every other episode yeah. it seems as we've talked about well footage. here's the thing i was just thinking about this today as i was walking through the grocery store is that you know fringe kind of lives in the we're going to push your disbelief as far as we possibly can and i think with this particular one they might have pushed it just a little too far like it was okay. just really like i mean i'm with them it's not like i was sitting there saying ah what a bunch of crap obviously it's a bunch of crap but you know, it's still kind of within the realm of believability, but maybe not as much as some of the other stuff that we've seen on Fringe. Um, okay, so you find it hard to believe that Peter would knock on Olivia's hotel room door at night, find her in her Northwestern T-shirt, just having brushed her teeth, mm-hmm. and that nothing would happen? Dude, well, I mean, dude's wearing an MIT uh, shirt. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, th- that's where he went wrong, I think, because you know, she knows he didn't actually go to MIT. So that uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that was a good scene. He was probably thinking that he could impress her with his MIT shirt, and unfortunately, she knows the truth. So yeah, it, it backfired on him. So, um, but again, you know, like we, I, you know, I, I definitely when I first saw this, I was definitely shipping Peter and Olivia at, at this point. Probably had been since episode one. But you know, Peter is just a he's a he's a good guy, right? He's he's, he's sure. not you know, he, he he's not like a predator or something where he's he's going there looking for some action with Olivia. It's he's first and foremost her friend and um you know, we kind of are getting some minor sparks here and there, but but really it's still just kind of like he's he's in the friend zone. It's tough to that's a tough place to get out of. Yeah, yeah, unless it's gonna be her that uh, yeah. you know makes the first move. I literally can't but, remember, but yeah, 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 I can't either. I can't. It's funny you said that. One of these TikTok things that shows up on my Facebook feed. I, I guess a big thing for these guys to do is they go on college campuses. They they you know run into an attractive uh, female student, and, and it's like, um, all right, here's a, here's a challenge for you. Call up a guy that's in the, that that you've put in the friend zone. And tell them you want to get together in Netflix and chill. And and every time the girl's like, "Oh no," he he'll say no. 
And then, of course, we know every time, every time they yeah, say yes. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, the, the other emotional scene takes place when they go to Seattle. And right away, I think we see that Walter looks at the guy who's restrained in the bed. And before he can even utter the words St. Clair, we've already mm-hmm. thought that. And that the the terror that's that's taking place and he tells peter i can't i can't stay in here and you know and he goes out of the room and later he says peter i've got to go home i i just can't stay here yeah he literally not even can't just go back to the hotel he needs to go all the way back to boston right and and again as as emotional and heart-wrenching a scene as that is and and of course at this point peter is totally you know wonderful with with dealing with walter's insecurities and he says okay well i'll find somebody that can that can take you back don't worry about it um i guess he also takes the body back with him uh and and agent i forget his name i didn't write it down Uh, he's like oh come on how much trouble can your father be (laughs) oh if you only knew yeah don't let him drink oh he's a bit of a tippler nah he's probably got any number of psychedelics in his system (laughs) you know but uh, yeah yeah but uh but yeah it's really heartbreaking and and agent cashner no there you go so anyway so he he gets back there um yeah and the other thing that that i i guess i i tended to forget the first time and and even kind of the second time until I was looking through my notes is that this episode is all about this guy's sleep study and, and, and the way he uses these people to his own end. But then, you know, on the side we have Peter Bishop and the problems he had with a sleep you know, sleep disorder as a child. I think he says from the age of eight, which is, uh, you know, yeah, that's the, likely the abduction age. The, the thereabouts. Time, uh, that's how old uh, the Peter Bishop that's in that grave that uh, where Walter was. Right. So is the abduction what, um, you know, causes the sleep disorder? I think that's probably a, f- a fairly likely uh, answer but you know again we don't know at this point but but you know as peter says to olivia that that you know walter gave me some coping skills and you know really i it's not something i've had to deal with for for quite a while and then of course he has this bad dream you know, during this episode so yeah i i you know found that somewhat interesting as well we always learn a little bit of science because we weren't paying attention in high school and college and uh, the computer chip embedded in the midbrain, the thalamus, which of course we all know is the, well, Fred knows is the part of the brain that regulates sleep. I guess we'll take them at their word. I don't look that kind of stuff up. I know. I I know. I knew that at some point, if that's even the truth, but you know, certainly, um, but you know, those, those classes are well, well, well in my past. So yeah. Now, we don't necessarily get an answer. I mean, do you assume that Broyles goes to Nina just for information about these biochips? Because, you know, it seems every time the team turns around, Massive Dynamic is at the heart of the story. And even though they're not here, 
she does at least know a guy right, right. To, to use peter's thing yeah um and, and yeah you're right like massive dynamic we assume is kind of yeah gonna have their fingers in pretty much everything that especially tech oriented and you know do you think she's lying to broils i mean do, i mean we've talked about their relationship we had that that point where they kiss on the lips um you know a while back and we talked at the time about you know their relationship and what it was what it is and you know we don't really necessarily have a handle on it other than that there's a respect between the two of them Mm -hmm. so uh, even though she kind of implies that massive dynamic doesn't have anything to do with that that's not necessarily true we don't know right i mean you know we talked about the dark money that that's that financed this doctor's study who who knows maybe it came from massive dynamic yeah exactly like i said it's it's almost like every you know or william bell i said walter bell low-key suspect them of of being involved in almost all this stuff right and then you know once you know, uh, Walter's back in his lab and he's got the chip and he, he t- tells Peter on the phone that I want to test it on a live subject. And Peter's like, no, right. <laughs> no students, no student volunteers. And Walter's like, okay, no student volunteers. And we, we know damn well where we're headed with this. Even though I couldn't remember, it's like, I, I kind of knew what he was going to do. Right. Well, and, you knew like, when the, the minute he told Agent Cashner to smell that thing, I'm like, ah, don't yeah. do it, bro. <laughs> and all right, you know, in the like, all right, you drugged a federal agent and there's no repercussions. And, right. I, you know, I mean, I guess it's like one of these situations where, you know, I worked on a, in college, I worked for a Rouse company and we were the special projects crew and we did. Uh, I'm not even going to go through the details, but we would get calls at literally two, three in the morning. This happened. You guys need to get out on site and, and clean it up before morning. And, you know, and, and so like we do stuff like that. And then they would just overlook the fact that we were doing other bad things on company time during the day. And, and you wonder whether fringe has become you know, I, I guess such a tool of the government, a, a tool of the, you know, the FBI that that uh, we can overlook a drugged federal agent now and then if it's for the greater good. Right. And yeah, and I, you know, and honestly, they don't really explore anyone thinking about the consequences of this at all. Like, you know, no, the next week they'll move on and Agent Cashner will be completely forgotten. There'll be no mention of it. So. I mean, that's a, the advantage of like a TV show, right? Like you don't sure that, which is obviously should be an issue. Like they drugged a federal officer, um, and were experimenting on him. That's not okay. But you just know it's just gonna like it's they're not even gonna address it, right? And then next week, our it's like our memories wipe. New episode, new new stuff. We're not sitting there saying, "Hey, where, where's the fallout from?" Walter messing with Agent Caster, right? Well, Walter's just going to say, I saw green unicorns race across the lab, so I just assumed Ooh. I accidentally took some LSD. Good point. He's always, so. got, he's always got that excuse. 
Yep. Now, you know, the whole idea about accessing someone else's dreams, Olivia's like, oh, that's what it is. And I'm like, okay, it is? How'd you come to that conclusion? <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I guess I could see he's manipulating these people's thoughts remotely, but uh, all right. I, I, you know what? Uh, as, as I said, if, if you say pushing so. the boundaries of our of our belief. Yeah. So if you say so, Olivia, I'll, I'll believe. Sure. You, you know, uh, and and then you gotta love it when when, when uh, fortunately they didn't show a digital clock for how many seconds until that plane crashed into the bridge. But they uh, all but did. Though, right? They all but and then you know Peter's trying to shut it down and Olivia just takes her gun and shoots. Well, that's like Peter. Like, are you serious, dude? Like, he's like, oh, I'm trying to shut the pro. Like, dude. Like, come on, man. Like. Pull, just reach under and pull the plug out. How about that for an idea, Peter? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a good point. Trying to putz around with the program? Are you kidding me? And again, that's just like I mean, I I was I I, I like this episode, but I didn't love it, Dave. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. And there was um, some issues, and I think most of it are on the the writing end, right? Like just kind of like not not great storytelling. Well, and, and you know. I, as powerful as that that final scene with you know Peter dreaming about his younger self and what it tells us the the fact that it, uh, this is Peter from the other universe because we know from the poster on the wall that that that's the other universe yeah and, we and know like, from the grave that uh, Peter of this well, right world sure is right dead. right. 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 So, uh, you know, aside from that, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And, and, you know, we'll talk grade in a little, in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I'm probably not as far away from you as you might, might okay. think, but, uh, uh, anything else you want to bring up? Um, well, one thing is, it, it was really like, just, it's been bothering me ever since I, I saw this, like the, the, the demons, everything, the guys, says so I think man that looks so familiar I couldn't put my finger on it and then I, I realized it was like oh yeah from the dark knight I don't know if you ever saw that I saw the first yeah, one yeah well that's the one right where he like whenever someone gets takes this psychotropic drug that they're trying to kind of dose everyone in Gotham with they see right like whatever they see is like kind of this monstrous demonic type thing and kind of with like that little wiggle type of camera work to go along with it and everything. And I looked in the dark night came out in 2005. So I think it's definitely, I'm not saying it's a direct homage to it, but I mean, the, the, you know, that movie had been out, you know, like three, four years before this episode. So I'm thinking they'd seen it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and, the, and of course the dark night stole it from Buffy, which was, I think 1999, sure, sure. but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, all right. What else? You know, just the the whole thing with the doctor and like you know, his Mister Hyde persona, where he's just getting off, like he's a junkie, uh, a dream junkie, right? He's addicted to dreams. It's just that that just seems so freaking stupid. I guess. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, it was very forced. Yeah, as and well, then I you think. know, here at the end, his addiction to dreams became his nightmare. One he couldn't wake up from. Just like, oh, come yeah, nice, on, Peter. Dude, like, really? 
Like someone got paid for writing that, you know. Like anyway, that's probably about it, I guess. You mentioned the unicorn; that was good. There was just some good one-liners with you know Walter and everything, stuff about drugs. No. I think that's about it, man. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us in the listener feedback, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 2, Episode 5. I rewatched Episode 4 after the podcast because I obviously missed some stuff, but now I'm on track. Funny thing was that you talked in your podcast about two snow globes that Nina smashed into each other, that why one broke and one not. And you were fully going for a coating so that one wouldn't break or one is of plastic and the other is of glass. Well, tout est relatif. That's French. I mean, it could be the other way around. Just make a scratch in one of those glass balls and that is the one that will break. So not making one stronger but the other weaker. Okay, what am I watching? The Mandalorian, of course, just like Wayne. Talking about The Mandalorian, by the way, Wayne, did you see the third episode? There is a small journey with a train out of the city into a scrapyard. Did that also give you the feeling of Brave New World with Jessica Brown Finley as Lenina? They go with this train outside the city towards an agricultural area and that journey and going outside and landing up there and how they experience the the train travel or metro travel or subway travel, whatever. That was very reminiscent for me to this scene in The Mandalorian because they also sneak out, are a bit scared during the travel and land up in an area they don't know. Just finished the first season of The Last of Us. I really recommend that. Although it's based on a video game, and sometimes you see that a little bit, but only if you know it. If you don't know at all, it's based on a video game. It's just a perfect series. With Pedro Pascal, who also plays The Mandalorian. And it's surely not, although it looks like it, a zombie series. People are infected and there is a post-apocalyptic setting, but it's mainly about the human threats instead of the so-called infected threats. In the game that's of course more, but here it's very limited. You really cannot call this a zombie series. And I don't like zombies at all, so that's good. The amount here is just right. I think Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal do a marvelous job. And for a limited amount of episodes, we also see Anna Torf, who is of course Olivia here in Fringe. What's also very nice is that after every episode, there is a behind-the-scenes episode just on YouTube to see how they all made this. Also very interesting and very cool. Furthermore, I watch, of course, Star Trek Picard, just like Wayne. And because of your previous podcasts about the pilot of Sleepy Hollow, I started to watch that and I am at the fourth episode. Don't know if I will continue that, but it's, it's fun. It's interesting. So thank you very much for this archive episode. And of course, my condolences to you, Dave, concerning your mother. 
as well as the worry about your brother-in-law. Shortly coming back to Star Trek Picard, I just watched episode 5 of season 3 and gave some audio feedback to the Fantastic Geek with Matt and Pete podcast. I will now play a short quote from that audio feedback and it contains a small spoiler. So for people who don't want to be spoiled for Star Trek Picard episode 5, just skip the next 30 seconds. I'm currently giving audio feedback to my regular podcast Sci-Fi TV Rewatch by Dave and Wayne and we are doing a rewatch of Fringe and Kirk Estefito has a big role in Fringe as people would know who know this series and I think uh, listeners to this podcast I think a lot of them know Fringe so I was very much amazed uh, hearing firstly hearing Kirk Estefito because when he came out of the dark and I heard his voice, I immediately recognized him. And then he came into the light as this uh, falcon called Crin. End of quote. This is what you call crossover podcast advertising. Okay, let's go into episode 5 of the second season of Fringe. A bit a Monster of the Week episode, or should I say a Chip of the Week episode. Here you see again that most things that you can use for good, you can also use for bad. Quite some time during the episode I thought it had something to do with the alternative universe and with the ZFT and the pattern. But it didn't look like that. Big fun was of course... A green unicorn ran across the lab or I accidentally took some LSD. Especially that accidentally is so funny. And the end scene, of course, suggests that we are getting near that Walter will tell Peter that he is from the other universe. Or are we still too early? Okay, that will be all. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Fred brings up a number of shows that he's watching, none of which I watch, but all of which you watch. Yeah. Uh, he mentions Picard, yep. Mandalorian, yep. Last of yep. Us. Uh, three, three, uh, three good ones, all three of those. So. Yeah, and I guess there's the, uh, um, oh God, the, the guy that's in the Last of Us and oh, the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal, yeah. Yes, yes, right. Uh, so, I, you know, as I mentioned, I don't, I don't perceive uh, that I'll ever watch any of the three, but never. I thought you started to watch The Last of Us. Well, I did, and then I quit after two episodes. Oh. I just didn't like it. All right. Don't like e- don't like either of the main actors what? and characters, and Dude, just left. I sometimes know, I, know. I just wonder. Uh, yeah. But uh, in the answer to your question, Fred, yes, in The Mandalorian, I totally got a Brave New World vibe. In fact, like as it was happening, like. Was this remind me? I'm like, oh yeah, Brave New World. It's totally like Brave New World. Um, so again, did they see it? Are they making a, a direct allusion to that? Possibly, you know. But I thought that was uh, definitely kind of cool how they escaped the city, got on a train to go out to. Well, it's still the city because it's Coruscant, but you know, like, and just about like, I you know, I would, I would say The Last of Us. I know everyone says it's not a zombie movie, but it's such a zombie movie. 
Like it has all of the the characteristics. And the, the thing about a good zombie movie slash show is it is not talking about some. Well, I mean, it is talking about some existential threat from you know people who are like mostly dead or undead or the living dead or whatever. But they're always making a commentary about human nature and human behavior, right? And that's like The Walking Dead, right? It was it was like yes, the the zombies were you know a, a a threat to always to the group, but it was really other people that were the problem, you know. And and I think in that way, The Last of Us really. That, I mean, in fact, that was like one of the issues I have with the show. As I think I said last week, is that I found it in a number of ways to be too cliche to following the formula, ugh, following the formula of, of a zombie movie or a zombie show and, and not really doing much that was fresh, except for having this really great relationship with the two leads that you didn't like, but I thought were good. Did you see what movie uh, they're pushing on Netflix? I, I guess they just brought it back. Uh, I did not. World War Z. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, my wife was sitting on the couch with her laptop and her uh, tape measure. And uh, I thought, eh, let me just put this on. The excuse I always use is like, I, I, I just forgot how it starts. You know, so I put it on and, you know, I look over there and she's looking up and she's watching. It's like, and she's like, oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And, and of course, she, she didn't know me, Ray Enos. She'd never seen The Killing. So she's watching it and, and, you know, the, you know, the scene in the New York city street and the traffic stops. Oh, and that was such that. a good and scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then after a couple of minutes, she's like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it in. Yeah. You know, now Fred mentions the, uh, about how long until Walter reveals the truth about Peter. And I guess, like you mentioned earlier in the discussion, neither of us really remembers when that is going to take place, if it takes place, because there are all sorts of ways that the truth can come out. Right. So I, I don't know, but I think what I do know is that Walter will probably try to delay it as long as he can, because you know, even though his relationship with his son has, you know, just just really gotten so much better, maybe even you know stronger than he could have ever hoped for. I I don't know that he probably has the confidence in the strength of their relationship and the strength of their bond mm-hmm. that it could weather something like that. And you, I guess, you could argue that well, that would be anybody. I mean, you think about a parent that withholds the the information that the child right that they've raised their entire life was actually adopted right and that the kid doesn't find out until he or she's 21 yeah probably going to well, be a sense of uh, bitterness and contention well multiply peter's reaction by tenfold right. or 20fold or, or whatever by two worlds yes <laughs> oh, there you go well played um so uh all right anything else about fred's feedback yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think we... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. No, it's like, yeah, Kurt Acevedo on Picard. That was pretty cool and, and totally recognized the voice because he's in a lot of, you know, makeup and stuff. So 
Um, but the, the voice is very distinctive. You notice that right away. Right, well, why don't we talk grade? Um, I, I'm thinking B plus for me, but I might even go down to B. Yeah, I was just going to give it a flat B. I was thinking B minus, but I don't. It wasn't really bad. Like I think B minus. We're starting to look yeah, at somewhere I definitely didn't like it. So if I liked it, which I did, then I'll give it at least a B. Though I, I could really see there was, I mean, a lot of flaws, especially you know writing wise and everything. As powerful and as important as that final scene in young Peter's bedroom is, I, I think you could even argue that they just tacked it on there at the end. Now, granted, if it's going to lead into the next episode where they really explore that, well, then I'm probably not going to go back and change my grade to B plus, but yeah, I, I uh, see it in a different way. Yeah, I feel like it's not like they're going to continue on with that next episode. Yeah, you know, they right. just realized that they'd had a whole episode and they really hadn't touched on the, on the arc. So kind of in the 11th hour, they, they throw something in there. Right. So, I mean, part of it is Olivia coming to terms with the death of Charlie, and, and we get that, and, and certainly uh, that's important. But, you know, the rest, and, and again, we've said before, it was no different with the X-Files, except the X-Files was doing 24-episode seasons, uh-huh. and Fringe is doing 20. Well, you can't have every episode... No as mythologically focused entirely yeah. so you know, we get it's that. funny especially i said before like with supernatural i love the monster of the week episodes those are my favorite ones i didn't always care for the overall arc that they're following because a lot of times especially towards the end they got to be kind of silly and out there but those you know just those monster of the week ones for supernatural i really like those um but you know, for, again, with so many shows going to a you know, 10, 13, 12 episode season, probably that Monster of the Week episode is becoming less and less of a thing, you know? Sure. Don't need it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we will agree on the B grade. And Fred, thank you for the feedback, uh, as always. That's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. I want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe, the peripheral, anything going on in your genre world. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six of season two of the Fox series Fringe. But until then. So, you know, this past Friday, Dave was St. Patrick's Day, right? And, you know, in our house... Every year, our, one of our yearly traditions involves these Irish thugs smuggling guns and cocaine.